Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. The enemy was able to come in and draw her away and how the Lord loved her and wanted to redeem her. And this anger was like in me, like, this is me. This happened to me. And I said out loud, I've had enough. There was this explosion that happened. I was delivered from drug addiction in that moment. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor, we've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Well, hello, and welcome to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isburner. Yes, and this podcast is part of the Spark Media Network and can now be found on the Edify app, Pray.com, super excited about that, and KHCB streaming. So we're very excited of the outreach uh, that's happening right now with this podcast, and it's because of your your help in sharing this. But today we have a very special guest, and I'm excited, aren't you? Uh, I'm always excited when yeah. we have guests because yeah. that means we get to hear life transformation stories. And yes. there's, there's no exception to that with our guest today. Um, and, I, and I have to just ask you, Wendy, do you, I mean, do you ever find yourself just sort of taking things for granted in life? Well, probably because I'm a human, but what do you mean specifically? Well, I mean, for example, I wonder how many times we kind of take our, our faith for granted. I mm. almost hate even saying that, but mm. I think sometimes we become somewhat nonchalant about our relationship with God is sort of like a, yeah, been there, you know, done that. Like Things are going good. The reverence isn't there like it used to be. Or, yeah, or the just fire. The fire. And yeah, so our, yeah. our our guest today, I mean, knows how to light mm-hmm. fires because Jesus lit a fire in her. Yes, yes. Our guest today is Miriam Rasmus, and she is married uh, to her husband, James, of 14 years. And they have two amazing young men, uh, Joshua, who's 12, and Ezekiel, who is three. And after a radical transformation of life in March of 2006, Miriam has spent years pursuing a deep, fulfilling relationship with God and seeking all the healing that comes through a genuine understanding of his word. She and James have both served on staff at a church nonprofit for over 10 years, and she serves on the worship team and and spiritual deliverance and healing group at her church. She also works at an international Christian media company and coaches women and couples on an individual and group basis. We are so excited to have Miriam on the show. Miriam, welcome to your biggest breakthrough. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me today. Do you have your matches with you? So you'll be lighting some fires today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be lighting some fires under the enemy for sure. Oh, good. You know, before we began, uh, we asked Miriam, Miriam, I said, so if there was like one objective you really wanted as a takeaway for our listeners today, what would that be? And what did you say? I want everyone to know that the relationship with God through Jesus Christ is going to fulfill every need that we have, every desire that we have. He's it. 
And then I said, drop the mic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> because, because yes. that is that is so right on and so filled with truth. And yet, Miriam, sometimes that is really kind of overlooked because we get caught up in trying to make things happen on our own and we, we maybe get too distracted and preoccupied with things in life. So let's go back and find out what happened in your life that, you, that you've got this crazy intimate love for Jesus and you want others to have the same thing. How did that ever happen? Sure. Well, that is quite a story. So just to give you some background about me, um, my father's Persian. He came to the United States after some political um, unrest in Iran in the, in the late seventies. And my mom is Hungarian Romanian. Her parents came to the United States as uh, refugees during world war II. My grandfather fought in Budapest as a military officer during the Nazi invasion. And so when I look at my family line as an adult, I understand there's a lot of trauma in my family line. And so my parents really, um, they made me and um, we know that spiritually and mentally, hormonally and everything, a lot of those things can be passed down. So when I was a child, I was a happy kid, um, but I I did have some timidity and some fear that really allowed me to um, be manipulated by people. I think, you know, as a people pleaser, my parents did have some uh, real challenges in their relationship and in their parenting. And I think that caused me to have a lot of fear and anxiety as well. Now, did you did you have siblings? I have two younger brothers. Oh, younger. So you're the oldest. I'm the oldest. So I got I got the brunt of a lot of it. Yeah. So they got to <laughs> test things out on you first, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> right. They did. Yeah. And and honestly, my father, he's a good guy. He's a great guy. He uh, is, is was raised uh, Muslim, but he's not practicing Muslim. But a lot of those ideologies of how they look at women and how men have more value definitely did play a big role in my upbringing. Mm -hmm. And so my younger brother of two and a half years younger than me um, often did get a lot of the recognition or the time. And, and I think that really formed an identity in me of rejection. Yeah. Um, so when I became a young woman and, uh, at 13 years old, I had a situation where teenage men, young 20 year old men in the neighborhood started pursuing me, groomed me to the point where I was very intimidated and they threatened to tell my parents. And, um, that was not, you know, a safe situation. And, Long story short, there was a night that they um, brought me out of my house through my window and did things that um, that I knew was wrong, but I didn't know what it was because I was young and naive. Um, the police were involved in that situation. And unfortunately, again, at the time in the 90s when and this happened, there wasn't a lot of protection for the victim. And so I was mistreated by the police and I was mistreated by my parents at the time. And I got a lot of anger from my father. He assaulted me in front of the police and they handcuffed me and put me in the back of the police car to separate us. And I was treated like a criminal. And this 
situation put a peg in the ground for my life. Did you feel like um, they were basically accusing you maybe even of lying that it didn't happen? Sure. The whole idea is not that not that I was lying because they got a confession, but that I was an instigator of it at 13 years old to have an 18 and a 20 year old man do the things that they did to me that I willingly went with them, that I wanted it. I was the one who was to blame in the whole thing. So, you know, based on what you shared about your dad and and that culture and that mindset, it would be almost understandable how, how he might go that direction. But what about your mom? Where was she in terms of when all of this was taking place, was she defending you? Was she wanting to believe you? What what happened there? So again, um, without going into too much detail on my mom's history, she had a lot of trauma and had actually been in an abusive marriage before my father. Um, and again, their relationship wasn't super great. There was a lot of anger. There was a lot of um, fear and things just between them. And she was afraid of him. Mm. And so that's a whole nother story of, of forgiving and not being resentful towards my mother uh, for not protecting me. And we've worked on that through the years. The point is that was the turning point of my development, a lot of shame, a lot of confusion. And I remember in the back of the police car, like as clear as crystal, almost an audible voice telling me, God hates you. Mm. And I believed it. Wow. I believed it to my core. I grabbed onto those words and my life changed at that moment. Yeah, I was going to say, so I, I think that there's probably someone that's listening right now that has had uh, maybe not a, a same kind of experience, but a similar outcome and how they have felt shame around something that's happened to them. Well, and something that's happened that was completely out un- of their control. For right. And, you Wrong. Know, if you want to look at it from a fairness standpoint, like that's just no fair <laughs> to blame the victim. Right. And so understandable why your reaction would be of, of shame and probably lots of anger. Yeah. So someone listening may be feeling that same way. So how did you, um, first of all, why did you, um, I guess, choose to grasp onto that lie over the truth of God's word? And then how did it shape you over the years of, of um, moving into the, your adult and, and even teen years? And I think, Todd, when you both bring up a good point, sometimes there's an injustice that's done. I was 13. I was a very naive 13 years old. Uh, It was before internet and cell phones and all that. I still wore dresses everywhere and carried a little pearl purse with me, you know, so (laughs) I was a little cutie, but um, there's also uh, times where we do do things that we have chosen and they, the enemy uses those to deceive us and lead us down. So whether it's something you've willfully chosen, you've been deceived and chosen, or it was an injustice done to you. I think that the fact that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he comes to deceive us. He orchestrates these things generationally in people around us, in our own minds and lives. And when we believe his lies, we become captive to what he wants to do, which is steal, kill, and ultimately destroy us because he hates us so, so much. God loves us. 
And the lies of the enemy are what keep us from fully understanding God's love. And it's the love of God that brings us to healing, brings us to redemption, brings us to wholeness and freeness. And he doesn't want us to know that. Right. So he thinks once you're, once you're forsaken goods or you're broken, that's it for you. It's all downhill, right? But God is a redeemer. God is a restorer. God is a healer. And what the enemy means for evil, the Lord will use it for good. And and there are so many uh, people, men and women, that feel like they're damaged and broken goods. And, and we are all sinners in the sense that we are all broken and damaged from that standpoint. But God, like you said, is the restorer and the healer of all of our lives if we choose to grasp on to his truth and his love. And so um, you you went through a phase of, of darkness. And so let's talk a little bit about how this particular lie that you decided to hang on to, what doors did it open and 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 how, how did your, your life shape up in the few years after? And then let's talk about how you got out of that, the breakthrough. Sure. So about 10, a 10 year period of time now from this moment, where my life began to become more and more about isolating myself, withdrawing from my church community and my peer group and having these thoughts and ideas that if I can just get away, I wanted to go to New York and be on stage. And, you know, I had this life in my mind that I was going to form to be in a place where people accepted me and loved me and get away from all those ones that said they loved me, but didn't. Isn't that also the lie the enemy uses for, to get us away from the Lord? Oh, he yes. doesn't love you. And we run right into the things of the world. Little do we see they're all a facade. They do not fulfill. They're, they're going to give you, you know, <laughs> I think about nutrition. It says a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the on hips. The hips. Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's how sin is. It's a moment of goodness and it, it leads to death. It's like when Eve ate the apple, it probably tasted really sweet. And then immediately there was that remorse and that awareness that there was a separation from God because of the sin. So my life began this downward trajectory. What did you do? Uh, did you get into drugs? Did you, I mean, I'm just kind of curious if you want to share details. Yeah. I became super rebellious um, and depressed. Mm. Then I got us, I did get a music scholarship to, to school. I got a really big vocal performance scholarship. Mm. It went off to school and I met an entire community of people, homosexual community that I had never met before. And they loved and accepted me and had very liberal ideologies. And I said, this is my religion. This is what I've been missing. This is my Christian. tribe. Yeah, this is my tribe. I, I couldn't find a place in Christianity. Um, I wasn't good enough for the, the legalistic Christians I was around. And these people loved, accepted me, wrapped their arms around me, celebrated no. me. I, I, I thought, just, I, wow. I got to stop you right there, Miriam, because it's like I'm getting all riled up right now. <laughs> because that experience within that context should have been your experience in the, in church. the church. And I'm, I'm talking to us right now all of us, yeah. who are in the church. When somebody comes in that y you think looks too different or weird and we start putting the judgment process in motion, that is so not like God. And just think if people felt this love that you felt coming into our churches or into our, 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 our presence and felt yeah. that overwhelming kind of love, 
we're not going to accept the sinful behavior, not in our lives or, or approve it in the lives of others, but that's different than just accepting and loving that person. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. And it's just kind of, again, another wake up call for all of us. Pay attention, open your arms up and start putting out some hugs on people you don't think are like you. Yeah. It is the love of God that leads us to repentance. And that's what I was looking for. I was looking for that love that I didn't get and the acceptance I didn't get. And I think that a lot of people in in these this time are. They're looking for the love and support that they didn't get, they didn't receive. And boy, the enemy is really w- willing to have other deceived, indiv- broken individuals come around And we should be, as the church, we should be coming around and we should be in showing the love and the power of God that leads people to repentance and then help them to be restored. Now, with this acceptance of this kind of tribe of, um, you know, was this at college or was it at a... This was at a Baptist university. Really? Okay. Okay. Wait okay. So wait a minute. This is good that is I even that, is asked. Is that an oxymoron? Well, I'm not quite sure. I, <laughs> I followed that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just it goes to show that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So did you lead uh, a homosexual lifestyle for a while? So I did. I had such a deep rooted hatred for men at this sure, point. Sure. Yeah. And I'd been through so many really bad relationships that it was just the natural progression for me yeah. that that must be it. Makes you know, it just made so much sense in my mind that, um, that must be it. You know, there's a, a rejection of your identity as a woman and a, a bitterness towards men that I experienced that literally blocked my ability to function as a woman. Mm. So those relationships actually ended up being even more abusive. Uh, one relationship I was in, um, she introduced me to drugs, um, started with cocaine, um, shot heroin at one point, And I actually ended up on meth amphetamines to the point where I tried everything. I tried detoxing. I tried going to rehab. I tried, uh, the 30 day detox where you lock them in a, in an empty apartment and they sweat it out, sleep it out, eat it out. And I had just surrendered my life that I was going to die from this drug because I couldn't get away from it. I would have rather lived on the drug and died at any moment than to live without it. I was an empty shell. My life was, I was not a functioning human being. Um, I had gotten into a little bit of mysticism and witchcraft. And so there was a lot of spiritual stuff going on and it was a very, very dark time. You were living um, hell on earth. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. So how did you, how did you get clean and sober? how did you break through this? I mean, first of all, thank you for being so authentic and raw and real with us because, um, because I know that God has redeemed and restored and there's no more shame. And that's why you can just share blatantly, like, this is what happened because it's so far removed from who you are today. But how did you get clean and sober? Who, who stepped in? Absolutely. Well, I think God allowed me to go through all of those struggles trying to get clean in all of the ways that are even possible and them not work for me to see that he was the only way and he gets all the credit because I literally did nothing. Um, a group of Christians that a spirit filled believers, they, they heard, uh, you know, this girl that used to go to our Christian college, she's fallen off. She dropped out of school. This has happened. And they began to pray for me. 
And I asked, I said, well, you know, later on I asked, well, what did you pray? And they said, they began to pray the scripture that says that the Holy spirit would brood over me like a storm and encapsulate me in his presence. At this point, I was living with a native shaman. He is about seven feet tall, 300 pound guy. And he would channel spirits in his seances. And it was the only time where he could stand up straight. And he was like coherent all the other times he would be hunched over and he would be in so much pain because of the demonic spirits and all the things going on. And this guy was just riddled with all this activity. Well, we were living in an abandoned apartment, no electricity. I I was driving in. I had a little Jeep. I had a box in the back with my tarot cards and spell books and this little book that this Christian guy had given me from this group. And I threw it in there. I hated Christians. I hated men. Oh, and I'd let him know it. I'm driving around and I just had all this fear. I had all this anxiety constantly. I pulled into this parking space and I just felt this sadness, like, just over me. And I stopped my vehicle and I locked my car door. And when I locked that door and it clicked, I felt this presence come into my car that could not explain. I felt so much peace. I felt so much safety. I literally was able to sit up. That's how much like the fear would just love me. And I started to like, get a little like agitated, but not like I'm angry in the flesh, but like something was rising up in me and I was like disturbed. I reached into the back. I got this book out. It's called the bruises of Satan by Carol Thompson. He was a deliverance minister at at, uh, the Bible college I went to. And I start flipping through the pages and reading about how Satan came into this young lady's life at a young age to hurt her and to wound her through events that were very similar to mine. And because of that, uh, the enemy was able to come in and draw her away and how the Lord loved her and wanted to redeem her. And this anger was like in me, like, this is me. This happened to me. And I said out loud, I've had enough. There was like this explosion that happened. I was delivered from drug addiction in that moment. Praise God. Amazing. I had no withdrawal. And granted, I had done a 30-day detox and I couldn't stay awake for 30 days. I was ballistic out of my mind. I had no withdrawal. I was clear-minded. I had no physical. I didn't even know what had happened to me. I just knew that this power and this presence was it. And I wanted it. I'd never experienced anything like that. And I felt alive and I felt full and I felt good. I just got to stop for a moment because this is like an explosive miracle of God. And the folks who were praying for you got to partner with what God wanted to do because they knew that's what he wanted to do in your life. And they didn't relent on those prayers of deliverance for you. It's just a reminder again that if in your life there's something or in somebody else's life that you know of, that prayer has way more power than, than, than sometimes we could ever imagine. Why is that? That's because God is wanting deliverance and freedom for his creation. It's supernatural. And you're a living example of that. I mean, that is so supernatural. There you are sitting in a locked car, having no clue that God was just going to overtake you through the power of his Holy Spirit. 
So yeah. did, were you starting to then mentally think this could be God or what, what was going through your mind as you're experiencing this deliverance? Sure, Todd. Well, like I said, I believed in the spiritual realm. I had never seen power like this in the legalistic denomination I grew up in. I just knew this was it. Like I'm free. This is good. I drove back. It was probably about four in the morning. I drove back to this apartment and opened this door and the the light from the parking lot comes shining in behind me and this shaman sitting on the floor and he starts shaking in terror as he looks up at me. I didn't say a word. I have chills. I have chills. Wow. He, good. I've never seen a look of terror like that on a person's face. He jumped up. He ran out the door. I never saw him again, oh. ever. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> say a word. I didn't say a word. He just freaked out and left. And I sat down in that little apartment. I just was so clear-minded. I waited till the sun came up and I called the guy. Thank God he put his number in the top of the book. I called him and I said, this crazy thing happened to me. And I feel like you would understand. I was a little rougher at the time. So I may have put some explicit words in there, (laughs) but he was calm as a cucumber. And he said, I'll meet you at McDonald's and I'll take you through and show you in scripture what happened. We sit down about 630 in the morning and he's showing me all through scripture how God has come to free us from the works of darkness. The enemy has has the rule and reign because of sin in the world. But we have the power and the authority to cast him out of our lives and that we should be functioning in this kind of kingdom living here on this earth. Yes. And I'm looking at, I'm looking in the Bible and I'm looking, I said, man, you don't understand. I went to Christian school for 12 years. We had to memorize and write this for grades. I was in my youth group. I was, you know, little miss perfect in my youth group. And I've never seen any of these scriptures you're showing me. And I was mad. Like they were hiding it from me in clear sight. Because all I heard was, thou shalt not this, don't Mm. do this, Mm. all the judgment, all the condemnation. I didn't understand what Jesus came to do. Was just thinking, and I'm looking at him, and I'm looking at the Bible, and I said, man, I can't be a Christian. I hate you guys. And it was was one of those moments I was surrendering to the lordship of Jesus Christ, and I didn't even like his people at this point. (laughs) And here I am like, I guess I'm one now. Wow. <laughs> that is so And that miraculous. was it. That was the beginning 15 years now of walking with the Lord, seasons of pure anguish, elation and joy, seasons of dryness, seasons of just miracles just happening in our lives and but when you're walking with Jesus that's life. It is. Yeah. And I want to say, uh, way to go because you, uh, it took courage to, to step into that. It took courage to call that man that wrote that book. It took courage to, to really acknowledge, whoa, this is, this is something different. And I, I want, I want this. And if this is Jesus, I want Jesus because you have broken years and years of generational curses. And now you're going to be leaving a legacy for your children and for their children. And like that gets me teary eyed and I get just fired up thinking about that. So way to be bold and courageous in all of it. And so, um, yeah, well done girl. And, and we know you and I would have never known that you went through this. This is mind blowing. Like I did not know the depth of the story. I am just in awe 
of of our God. I just am. Yeah, so. your story really does uh, just reflect the light back on God's power and his love. And it is so encouraging for people who feel like they're in a hopeless situation or they have a loved one. They yeah. feel like there just doesn't seem to be any answer. And I, I do want to ask you, because you made it really clear earlier, I mean, Jesus is our everything. There isn't anything Jesus can't handle or or change in our life for the good. But at that age of 13, uh, when you first believed that lie, it, it seemed like that was the downhill spiral from that point on. And I'm just thinking how, what 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 could have been done at that point, Miriam, to have sort of redirected you so you were delivered from that lie? And rather than go that direction, you come the other direction. Because there may be someone listening who's got... A thirteen-year-old in their life, and they they're they're noticing they're they're believing a lie. What what sort of encouragement or guidance can you give for those who want to help somebody who seem to be really trapped in a lie? I think that if my support system had had the revelation and understanding of the Word of God and a relationship with Jesus aside from religion, the Scripture says that. Uh, the, there's a parable of the the wheat and the tares. You're in the church. If you're in the church, there's still wolf among the sheep. You know, there's still um, a lack of understanding. We don't just automatically get a revelation of all the promises. We have to seek the Lord. We have to seek his truth. And that's why I think a, a lot of times we don't experience that deep, deep revelation because you have to press into the Lord. You cannot allow your relationship with him to be on autopilot. And you, we can't uh, allow the level of depth that's in our churches and things like that to be our level. That's surface level. We have to go to those deep, intimate places with the Lord in, in the privacy of our, our lives where others can't go with us. It's just him and us. That's, That's such it. a good word because we are very, very accustomed to being spoon fed with everything in life, right? It's just, I want the easy way. Quick fix. Somebody yeah. do it for me. Mm-hmm. But you're really admonishing us. We've got to go after this on our own intention with intentionality this and perseverance. It's an and, intimate. Yeah. And you, yeah. you can't get there through somebody else. You yeah. need a good support system. But you got to yeah. put in. You got to put in the reps, as they say. Yeah, put in the reps, um, and you have put in the reps. And and uh, recently, and I know it's been ongoing since um, of the occurrence that happened at age thirteen. But recently, you have really uh, dove into one of my favorite words, and I work with my clients on it a lot. But forgiveness, because I really do believe that that unlocks the door to so much and allows just that extra layer of, of whatever we were carrying to fall off and to, bef- and to fully surrender it all to the Lord. So let's talk a little bit about that forgiveness and how you've gone about uh, who you've forgiven and how you've gone about doing that. Because a lot of people just don't, they're like, I don't know how to forgive. I try, but I don't know how. So what would you say to that? Wendy, and I often have said that to the Lord, like, I know I've forgiven a million times, but each time it feels like, how do I do this again, Lord? And I just kind of throw up my hands and go, help me to forgive. Like, what does that word even mean? It's like every time. Um, And he's so good. He always walks me through it again, you know, but here recently, um, my dad and I have had a very strained relationship through the years. And again, he has a lot of his own traumas. He he went through quite a bit of abuse as a child. I won't get into all those details, but that has affected his relationship with 
everyone in his life. And, um, and he's had some really difficult things happen in his life. And so through the years, I've always had really in my heart that I'm supposed to forgive my dad and love him how he is, not when he's different or if he ever becomes different. Well, that's a word right there, Miriam, Mm -hmm. how he is not when he's different. That's huge. It, it, it's not easy because it's caused me a lot of heartache over the years. And even as a mother now and having a family, it has, there's been times where it's hurt my children when he doesn't show up and he says he's going to, or we have to put up some boundaries and step back for a while because of behavior. And so I've had to be very intentional walking with the Lord through this of when to interact, when to not interact. Uh, what to say, what not to say. Um, And again, you have to really, really have your relationship with the Lord on point to walk into that. There's been so many seasons of of healing and and forgiveness, right? Because it's like an onion. We peel off a layer and then there's a next layer and there's a next layer. You probably recognize different triggers, right? That they kind of cause, oh, I thought I was over that. And then something triggered it and you're like, okay, let's go deeper. Like you were saying, let's go deeper. And why I'm not forgiving, why am I not, uh, you know, fully releasing this to you? So, uh, so the season that you're in right now with, with your dad is, is really precious, right? With this forgiveness layer. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like we've gotten to the root of it now where my, we've worked on so many things within myself, me and the Lord, that now I can see my dad as the individual that he is and not allow any of my, any brokenness to attach to that. Mm. So if he's, you know, I see his life and I see the things that have he's walked through and have compassion for him. That's very healthy. Have you had uh, counseling? Have you, I mean, I know obviously you're in God's word, but have you gone uh, to counselors to help you process this as well? Because it's a very healthy outlook uh, and how you're operating in this, in this space. Yes, Wendy, I've prayed through the years and asked God to lead me to the people or to the things that are going to allow that next layer of healing. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's been working with a counselor for six months and then that will end. And sometimes it's been a mentor. Sometimes it's been a small group or a a book I've read it, you know, God will lead you to those things. And, and so this has just been a, a great season of, I feel like this is the bow on the the top of the relationship and um, God's brought so much forgiveness and restored our relationship. And I've heard my dad verbalize things to me that I've waited my entire life to hear just a lot of forgiveness. And I feel peace that whatever happens from here on out, like there's that healing. I just want to commend you again, because uh, as Wendy mentioned earlier, you know, you've displayed a lot of courage and, and, and a lot of uh, stick to activity, if you will, like I want this and I'm going to stick with it and I'll, I'll put in the work that it's going to take to get to that point. So forgiveness is a big key and you can't, I mean, it's sometimes tempting to just sit back and say, well, God, I like you did, uh, you know, a number of times I've, you know, I forgive, you know, and, and everything's cool, but the reality is it's not cool because it's not fully healed up yet in your life, and you've got to put some work into it. So thank you for being so encouraging in that regard and a great model for that. Hey, before we let you go, talk a little bit about your work now, because God has done so many crazy good things in your life, and uh, you have wanted to really dedicate your talents and your gifts to him. So how is that playing out these days? 
Sure. Well, I do work for a Christian media company. And so I get to be with wonderful ministers of the word and put them onto that platform with about 13 million um, users and audience and spread the word of God around the world. And that is a dream come true for me to be able to be a part of the Great Commission in that way. So that's, that's so exciting. We're going into places that people have cell phones, but um, the government won't allow Bibles. And so, you know, we're really, it's just amazing how God is using technology. And mm-hmm. I believe Christians should have their voice on technology and not shy away Amen. Uh, because the enemy would want to overtake that, but sure. use it as a, such an amazing tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like so are. good. Yeah, I, I'm so excited for all that uh, you are doing with the company and the company itself. And, and we don't need to mention it here because, um, yeah, um, but I'm super excited. And, you know, you have been also working with um, with women, coaching them. And I believe that because of all that you've been through, you have the authority to speak into the lives of others, to give them a hope and a promise and to help them overcome in, uh, in their traumas. And so how are you working with women on that level? Absolutely. So I do one-on-one coaching. I've uh, been working with girl, teenage girls actually to walk with them, which I think is amazing because Todd, to go back to what you said, your support system doesn't always have everything you need as parents, but it's okay to allow a counselor or a pastor, or a coach to speak into your teenagers' lives during those difficult informative years. So, you know, that's important. So, um, and then I also work with women, uh, in a group setting or individually, and we do, we, we bring things before the Lord. We set out a goal of where they would like their spiritual growth to go or things they'd like to be freed from in their emotions and their mind. And we attack it spiritually and we grow together and we put the enemy under our feet and claim the promises of God for their lives and see great things happen. I love that. I love that because, you know, I'm passionate about getting women healthy. And that's a big piece of the puzzle is that emotional and that trauma and overcoming and that forgiveness piece. So I love that you're doing that. If you're listening and you are interested in hearing more uh, about what Miriam, uh, Miriam offers, she's actually offering, can't believe you're doing this. This is amazing. A 30 minute coaching consultation. If you, um, find her on social media, on Instagram, if you send her a private message or an email, which I'll put in the show notes and you do hashtag level up, then you uh, will connect with them. Correct, Miriam, and uh, give them a a consultation. So I love that. Thank you for pouring into people and loving people the way that you do. You're just a blessing. Mm. You are a gift. And I am so honored to know you. We both are. And uh, just to hear your story, like what a breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So yeah. your your husband and your sons are blessed to have you in their lives. Yes. <laughs> yes. So tell tell them we reminded them of that. I remind them today. Yeah, <laughs> you've got a great you've got a great love for Jesus and it's very contagious. So Miriam, thank you so much. Yeah. I and, love you both so much. Thank you for what you do and and for this program and thank you for letting me be a part of it. I love yeah. you guys. Love you too. Thank you so much. Uh, Those of you that are tuning in, we appreciate you uh, sticking out this amazing story about uh, what Miriam went through and hopefully it offered hope and encouragement for you. And um, we are just looking forward to catching you same time, same place right here on Your Biggest Breakthrough uh, with our next episode. But share this episode with others and um, yeah, send us a, a little raving review that helps. So appreciate you and God bless. 
So glad you could join us today. And you'll find a new episode every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. And if you've been encouraged by listening or viewing, would you just take a moment and give us a five-star rating and a quick review? That'd be so awesome. Yeah, and also please share this with your friends and loved ones. If you have comments or questions, or if you're looking for an advertising opportunity, please get in touch with us at yourbiggestbreakthrough.com. Or if you'd like to optimize your health and wellness, you can work directly with Wendy. Go to wendypat.com. Or if you're a guy and you're interested in mentoring and coaching, go to toddisburner.com. We look forward to having you join us on our next episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough.